Welcome back to the basement, fellow music lovers. You are now tuned into yet another exciting adventure on uh, Chunky Less of the Podcast. I'm your host, Kevin, as usual. I uh, hope you are caught up on our podcast. Uh, if you didn't tune in to our chat with Brandon Perry, uh, otherwise known as Khan, go back and do that. We put that out on Monday. Uh, it's fantastic. Uh, he's the uh, sort of the last in the string of interviews we, we're going to do this month. Going to get back to the albums because there's a metric fuck ton of them coming up. Uh, and this podcast, in fact, is sort of catching up from last week. Uh, so have you done that? Are you back? Are you good? All right, let's get going. Here's what you got today. Uh, first up, you know, D.C. is a town where rehearsal space is a uh, commodity, a very highly valued commodity. In fact, it's non-existent. I remember I was in a band, or we were trying to put together a band uh, called Zebulon, um, and uh, live in the city. Some people lived out, not in the city, out in Roslyn, Alexandria, and said, hey, we got a rehearsal space. So I was like, sweet. Well, it was out right, basically right next to Jam and Java, which is, you know, 45 minutes a room uh, in the middle of nowhere. It's called the Soundry, I believe. And, it, you know, it, it, it kind of sucked. <laughs> Actually, not kind of sucked. It did suck. Uh, but it was a place to play. Now I got this, like, uh, expansive basement here. But, uh, but then, uh, you know, it, it was... Uh, it sucked. And so I feel people's pain when they talk about this, even though there are ways to get this shit done uh, that maybe don't require that. Uh, but an article popped up. I believe it's in the Washingtonian. Uh, we'll have the link here. If it wasn't in that, who cares? Not a fact-based podcast. Uh, talking about the use of office space uh, or abandoned office space for uh, artist space, rehearsal space. This... We're going to have a very serious discussion about this, actually. Uh, but this, to my mind, is an excellent idea. Uh, growing up in the South, uh, strip malls are everywhere. You see them on the highway. Uh, and, yeah, it's not ideal. Uh, it's not next to your house. It's not next to the venue. It's not in the cool part of town. Uh, but it is space. And so if they can get this done, yeah, maybe we'll see. Maybe this is this is what's going to drive the next artistic boom in Washington D.C. Hopefully, I don't know. But that's why we discussed it because I don't have all the answers. Um, so we're going to be talking about that. Uh, going to be playing a track from uh, Tim Hecker, uh, who's an electronic artist at the back end of this. Um, he has an album out called Love Screams. Uh, it came out, I believe, last month, and uh, it's pretty damn good. So we wanted to share that with you. And then the main thrust of this podcast, we're going to be reviewing a mighty fine album, in my opinion, uh, by a band called Bleached. Uh, their album is entitled Welcome the Worms, and we are talking about it. Me, Patrick, Eduardo, and Paul. So uh, if you guys are ready, I'm ready. I'm tired of talking. Uh, here we go. This is episode number 180 of Chunky Glasses, the podcast, where we're reviewing the new album from Bleached, Welcome the Worms. Okay. It comes here, and it finishes here. Two men enter, one man leaves. Nearly a two-word review. It just a shit sandwich. It I will roll the record up and down. That right there is a lot of 
Why is he putting Ethan Hawke in Scanner like, why is Ethan Hawke allowed to act? Wait, 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 wait. Okay, <laughs> wait he was, in, he was <laughs> in the fucking Purge, all right? Yeah. <laughs> he was in the Purge, which is the greatest movie ever made. The Purge election is going to be just the purge ele- choice. I, that's around my birthday, so here's what we're doing. <laughs> Tri- we're, we're, trilogy. We're literally, huh? Trilogy. Yeah, well, Run we're, the trilogy. We're, we're gonna, I still haven't seen the second one. We're going to watch the first two Talking and get August fucked 6th? up and then Uber down to like the theater. and The just, Warner like, Theater? So, oh. Somewhere. No, no, what we're talking the, the Purge trilogy. I'm not watching that shit. <laughs> Come on, dude. You, dude, you have no you idea. Know. When are we that taking this cinema. chunky road trip to the Warner Theater to see all three Star Wars and movies in a row? Special editions. It's the, yeah, it's the, it's the, it's, it's the 97 versions. You guys ready? Bro down. Sure. All right, welcome back to the basement. Patrick, you made it back again! Oh my gosh, I can't amazing. believe how busy I am this is right now. Did Patrick Insert have a beard the week. last time he was here? I don't know. I can barely recognize him. I don't know. He's aged though. His he's, hair is he's, gray. He's taller. He looks. He looks. I may stressed. be forty by the time this airs. I'm going to throw <laughs> that out there. <laughs> you may be forty by I the time it airs. Uh, welcome, Eduardo. Welcome, Paul. Uh, we are back down here to talk about some uh, rock and roll tonight. Uh, this week we're going to be talking about uh, a little band from Los Angeles called Bleached. They just played here in DC. I did not go DC because nine, I'm right? old. Paul yeah. did not go because he had. I was at a baseball priorities. game. Yeah. He he enjoyed the baseball. I uh, played at DC Nine. Uh, their new album "Welcome to the Welcome the Worms" just came out recently, uh, so we're going to get to that. Before that, though, I want to talk about you know we have talked a lot about gentrification here and how uh, you punk kids in DC shouldn't you, you should look up the the meaning of the word gentrification um, before you use it. Uh, talking about you priests and um, and. The other day, shots fired at the beginning well, of the podcast. That, that's that's no, that's no, you know, with the whole. Uh, this might fold into a little of the union arts uh, discussion too, <coughs> uh, which is coming up on. Uh, and I have lost track. We have so many of these in the can right now that I, I'm not sure. Like I know we talked about. Did, did we talk? something with Quinn that is not coming out for like? Anyways, back back to. On task, stand target. <laughs> um, <laughs> You're coming in too fast. Yeah. Uh, in the Washingtonian, there's an article uh, that basically presented the question of uh, should abandoned office park lots become the artist lots of the 21st century? Uh, it focuses on Hyattsville, uh, which actually I was just up in Hyattsville because we had to drop off our car because we had the uh, airbag of death. Which I'll, oh yeah, the recall follow me on thing. Facebook. You yeah. know that saga, yeah. but uh, you know it's an interesting thing because where I grew up, uh, you had these office parks that are built hoping somebody comes in. I mean, and it's not just in the South; it is in everywhere in America. Anytime you get outside a major m- metropolis, there's there's sprawl, and people build things. You're like, maybe you can rent this. In general, it becomes a Little Caesars, or <laughs> <laughs> or I'm trying to think of the other thing. It used to did. be Kinkos, but now, now, now that, yeah, not, yeah, right. not even Kinkos. Yeah, Little Caesars, Kinkos, or maybe a Books a Million. You I don't know. know. Books are dead, man. Yeah, Books a Million is closing. All over. Are they? All right. Yeah, they're gone. Nice. Um, <laughs> nice <laughs> books. No, I used to. True story. I used to work for Books a Million. Okay. Uh, but uh, at the end, of, that's a great story. It is. <laughs> I'm glad it's true. So you might as well say, by the way, that it becomes like a um, used um, 
I don't even know, blood bloodletting place or something like something Quest really archaic. Like a used well, yeah, yeah, bloodletting yeah, yeah, yeah. place. Right, right. Yeah, there's a lot like, there. it's just books are gone, yeah. man. Yeah, so, gone, so but, but what we're talking about is unused office spaces. Like all across York, this country. Bar- medieval barber, sorry. Go ahead. All across this country, you've built up these shining uh, office mm-hmm. buildings that more most more often than not got like smashed out of in a Terminator sequel. And... <laughs> <laughs> and <laughs> And but they're there, and this is like a whole lot of office yeah. space. So you, you talk about like in DC right now, we have a big kerfuffle over Union Arts closing, and where will the artists go? And and the answer this guy poses is that all these like late eighties like uh, you know uh, sprawl out here. You have these things that just are empty, mm-hmm. and maybe we can turn them into spaces for these artists, so they can either uh, they can be run by an organization, or they can just be rented out for cheap. Uh, which is a fascinating way to look at things because, mm. I mean, look, they're literally everywhere. Uh, in talking about this with you, Paul, this week, you had some interesting takes on this. And so let, let, let's let's get you to explain the flow, though, of what happens. Yeah, I mean, I, I think it's an interesting idea, first of all. Like, I, I'm if you've got unused real estate, I'm for rezoning it and using it for something useful. The problem is that all you're doing is starting the same cycle somewhere else. Mm -hmm. If you're successful, the way that these things always go is you've got a population here. You don't have a population. So you skip that step. Then the artists move in. Once the artists move in, people come to start coming to see the artists. They build some cool stuff around them. Like the coffee shops go in a couple of cool bars. And then Then the first, then the first wave gentrifiers come in, the rents start going up (laughs) and then the yuppies come in and then the artists bitch because they can't make their rent anymore. So basically you might this might solve your problem for a few years, but if it's successful, if it becomes a desirable location, then you're going to have the same issue. Artists generally have to keep moving if they're not making money because that's the way it works. Yeah. Well, and as an industry, they should be subject to the same economic pressures that every other line of work faces, right? I mean, I can only stay with my employer in our current office building for as long as my employer can afford to be there, right? So, so uh, I don't, I don't, I take your point, Paul. And I think it's right that, that um, I think if this works, ideally, yeah, it starts a whole new cycle of like, you know, I think there are some other pressures that are going to keep um, people from clustering around some of these developments um, residentially. Um, I think it's a great use of the space today. And I'm thinking back to like when I think it was the three of us, Paul, Kevin and I, when we talked about the um, de Blasio's plan to uh, have subsidized housing for artists. Yeah. Yeah, And we all thought that was a terrible idea. It is a terrible idea. Yeah. Um, This is this is not a bad idea. (laughs) Actually, this is this is this is a good use of space. Can I I just veer off and say I agree with a lot of what has been said, but I think. The fact of the matter is, if you go, like, I live in Rockville, mm-hmm. there's a bunch of empty office space. No and one's and there's getting to be more. And they're going to build an entire building of new office space, even though they can't fill the stuff they have. Yeah. Um, but I think what's a little bit, at least in my personal opinion, not quite, well, it doesn't quite jive, is to expect that artists should have to be regulated in the same way as commercial entities to me doesn't make sense. I mean, I think where things like the Torpedo Factory in Alexandria, there's a lot of painting, I think where they have made inroads, and that's a 
sort of rare example is like it's a discounted rent if you're going to come in and paint and then they know it brings yeah. in people and that's never been turned into condos at least not yet although there are condos right nearby it, but it, it will be though I, I i do think that it's a good idea i think that the rules sh- should be slightly different i'm not advocating for what de blasio is doing i'm just saying we have to acknowledge that like they're not little caesars is i guess what i'm saying well I mean, what you're talking about is getting the city planning, correct? And I mean, the, no, it, 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 it is. Yeah, it is. And how do you secure space for arts? Of what, yeah. what you right. want your city block, so your city center, say Rockville Town Center, what you want that to be. Uh, right now in Rockville Town Center, I think there's... What do you want to know? Uh, well, there's a bunch of bars where I can drink tequila at. Mm-hmm. Uh, Peter Chang. Peter Chang, yeah. Peter and, Chang. And, and some, there's a new Irish bar. You know, getting a mellow mushroom. It's very exciting. Yeah. Yeah. Exactly. Isn't isn't the thing with this that you're not talking mostly about city centers? You aren't talking talking about stuff on the outskirts. That's exactly right. Hyattsville is not a city center. Mm -hmm. Rockville is not a city center. I mean, you're talking about. For example, if you go to Richmond, uh, the the artistic centers, there were some uh, wards like Jackson Ward. You could always, if you were an artist, find a cheap place Mm -hmm. because uh, it was run down and shitty, but it wasn't really crime. Like there is like up here or now there, uh, but a lot of the the main art center was across the river, which people in the city of Richmond tend to not like. You look at South Side and you're like, well, that's sort of where the rednecks are, you know, Midlothian. <laughs> I mean, you, hi, uh, I live in Midlothian. I mean, come on, that doesn't <laughs> roll off the tongue <laughs> as an intelligent place to live, um, but. <laughs> Uh, <laughs> you just lost the Midlothian. I did. I did. Segment. I am Lothar of the Midlothian. <laughs> <laughs> but you know, I mean, I mean. So, Patrick, are you are you saying that we should treat artists differently? I'm not. I don't know that I'm saying that. I'm just saying let's not pretend that. I think Paul's idea of rezoning it to be something else is right. I think that saying that artists have to compete with. Um, non-artists or commercial entities mm-hmm. doesn't make any sense. But I think the, the the true fact is that what does tend to happen when these areas start to fill up and become popular artist spaces is they do get gentrified. But on the other hand, like, look at the West Village in New York. I mean, people still go but, down there yeah, but, because but, they're like... But, go ahead. I, I was going to say, but you have to... When you're talking about zoning here, you can't just say this is right. this is loft space zoning yes. because it's so far right. away from everything else. It has to be mixed use, which yep. means you're going to have to have yep. some retail space, some bar space, some, and you're going to have to mm-hmm. extend public transportation out there because anybody mm-hmm. who's like, I can't afford my right. rent to stay in, in D.C. is probably not all that car mobile either. Yeah, yeah. So 100%, 100%. I, well, I guess if you move up to, Hi- as... to Hyattsville, then your rent goes way yeah. down. Yeah. If you're getting into like a old apartment or house out there, I mean, that's just a fact you are further away from DC. I'm trying to get at the happy medium of like, do we need to have subsidized art space for artists to live in? Or can we have non subsidized art space for artists to live in and practice in? where they are not actively competing with people who can just smoke them out of the water. And that's what I'm trying to figure out is like, how can we do that? Because I'm, I think we're all in favor of that. Uh, well, no, uh, well, I actually uh, am not. Oh, and, and I'll tell you why. Mind. I'll tell you why, because I, I think uh, like anything else, like art is one of the most important things that we have, but it, it is sheer creativity that we can just pull something out of our heads 
you know, and, and make it appear and whether or not it's a podcast, whether or not it's music, whether or not it's a painting, uh, you know, which I, uh, or I hope you do a velvet painting of Lando someday. Like, I hope that's, that's coming. Hot diggity. Yeah. <laughs> but I, but, but that said, or Boba Fett, that said, saying, saying that, that you can only do this in, uh, in certain conditions and you need your cheap rent and you need this is saying that you aren't committed to it in my mind. Yeah, but wouldn't you rather have it exist than not? I mean, the reality, your, no, your, your, your position is an idealist no, position, which I get, exist. but I'm saying the practical you know, you reality why? is why because wouldn't we say yes to this? It will always exist because people have proven this, that they don't make the art to maybe in the back of their mind to do it, to, to, be financially viable to support themselves. But the true like masters of everything have just done it because this is what they are going to do and they will find a way, you know, I think, I think cities like, especially cities where the cost of living is high, which is increasingly most cities are going to have to make some choices at some point about what they value and there'll be trade-offs. And so, and, and my concern is I don't necessarily want, um, my and and this is <clears throat> I should I should stress like San Francisco's choices may be different from Chicago's, maybe different from mm-hmm. Portland's, DC's, mm-hmm. New York, et cetera, et cetera. I don't love the idea of entrenching one generation of artists as being somehow protected mm-hmm. and saying right. because you're an artist yes. in this city at this point in time, you're going to be afforded uh, special protections and special treatment as a designated class. I think. Part of I think I think artists have always had to chase that combination of affordability and, you know, things that they value. Um, and in that sense, they're not different from the rest of us. Like we live in the best neighborhoods, that, you know, in, in the neighborhoods that afford us the most of what we want while taking away the, you know, however much we're comfortable letting, yeah. <laughs> um, right, our, our neighborhoods take away from us. Um, but these are trade-offs you have to make. And so I, I just don't, I don't know, I don't know how, how city planning can, take that can solve that problem for artists and i'm not sure there well, is an obligation to do it for I, art for I, I a special think, you know given what i just said like what i what i do advocate for more is that there be a space for them to like display perform mm-hmm. exhibit their art yeah. that i think is more important than anything um if if you don't have places and i'm not talking about clubs i'm talking about yeah uh a place where somebody who's worked hard done their thing and they're like do you want to have this exhibit here for this week? Do you want to do this? Do you want to play this show here because you, maybe you can't get in a club because it's not commercial and stuff? That is the most important thing yeah. going forward. Yeah. And I think that's what we don't often see. I, I mean, I love this idea. I just know from even talking about like that there's a thing in uh, like city paper uh, and all of our like Prince of Petworth about the uh, damaged city fest. Uh, mm-hmm. about noise violations and stuff in Petworth. And, you know, you have this, like, punk attitude here in D.C. that wishes it was, you know, the mid-'80s still, and that you can learn everything you can from just being a punk, and by doing that, you're making art. And it's like, no. Like, you have to actually engage the entire community. Mm-hmm. And, you know, you don't deserve, just because you do a thing, to have some special treatment. Mm-hmm. I mean, that's just because then it gets into what we talked about, the de Blasio thing in New York. Who decides that? Yeah. I mean, I mean, have you, does anyone know anyone who's an academic 
like the first five to 10 years of being a professor are fucking terrible. And it's especially terrible for the spouse of someone in that position because that spouse has to follow the person around to, you know, college towns in the middle of nowhere. And we don't do. And then and then they have to endure, you know, people at holiday parties saying, well, I could really see you in Chicago. Why don't you apply for a job there? Right. I mean, it's 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 there's a lot of professions for whom, you know, living in major metropolitan areas is a huge challenge. And I'm not I don't I don't want to seem tone deaf or insensitive to. You know, because again, we all value art here. I just, I just don't, I just have a hard time struggling with the idea that we have this affirmative obligation to facilitate a certain class. Um, I think part of the larger question is how do we um, incentivize, which is again another Americanization, how do we incentivize artists to live in places where people are and where it makes sense for artists to live in terms of available you, spaces you, you, and housing. I, I got the answer to that. You remember well, an airplane? Well, hang on. When the lady gets over the thing hang and, and hits the guy and says, snap out of it. But, and, and what are those, what are those, what are those, better, what are those places and how do we like, so better, better, better income create, subsidy, protect, create like rules. Like we want to incentivize not, this, but we don't want to create a crutch and we don't want to create a system that's unfair. And we don't want to create a system whereby Joe Blow white artist gets put ahead of uh, some, you know, minority person who grew up uh, on the street. Like we don't want to have that. So how do we create a system that is workable? And that's like create more low and mid income housing for everybody. Everybody. But that's the thing. I don't. It's an income subsidy. When is all that going to happen? Like I don't know. Now you're asking about execution. We were talking about ideas. I think. Yeah. I can, can, conceptually, I don't think that there should be any artist preference. I think that right. the guy who's the janitor, yeah. the guy who's the public school teacher is doing just as much or more for their city Probably. than in terms artist. of In terms of benefiting a community, you could argue that the people who should live in the community where they work are police officers, right? Yes. Like, so is Kevin's answer about, that it's really about performance space, so to speak, yeah. the, the best interim solution or solution? I period? obviously think so. Yeah. I mean, I don't know. I, you know, once you start dictating housing, your point is totally valid. I mean, oh. and this has been going on like all this year in our podcast. So I mean, we aren't yeah. saying we have the solution, but it is. So is the proposal in Hyattsville to be artist performance spaces or housing or sort both? of both? Yeah. I mean, generally you have an artist. They live space. in the loft and yeah, they perform some, in the loft. You have some uh, places you go and you pay. They live under they, the stage. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. So you know, obviously, if you have an art space, if you have a building, you want some place that's a showcase. You know, but we know that uh, not so much in let's see in in DC right now, paper house is gone. In fact, it's getting sold. Mm-hmm. It, so it's it's legitimately it's gone. You know, whether wherever uh, Alex Tebleff and and crew end up, maybe they'll open a new one. Uh, Quinn's above the Bayou is closing. Really? Yeah, oh. he's graduating. He's he's moving on. Mm-hmm. Uh, that leaves uh, Bathtub Republic. That leaves lesser known ones that like just popping up from here to there, which is all cool. But you go up to Baltimore and you have something like what, uh, I know, uh, Oh, from, um, Jen Wasser from Y Oak lived in one of these spaces where it's a big communal space and they, they do their thing and then they host shows. Mary McLaughlin lives in one now. I think, I think the key is that we have to solve, you know, these questions have to be solved for the population in general and artists are a subset of the population. Mm-hmm. But the idea of solving it just for artists 
in silly. in city centers does not make sense. However, everything you're saying, Kevin, like well, just, let's just, also be honest. Like, um, I think Paul's point is most prescient in the fact of there will never be a bill that says artists get special treatment and we're all okay with that on a state or federal level. It's not going to happen. So isn't that in Bernie's? Well, that's not, no, uh, not even in Bernie's. So like, I think that's right. I think maybe it has to do with income level and the poverty line and some other things. And that's a different equation. So, yeah. So read the article. Did you? Uh, no, I was I was gonna make a Jill Stein joke, but I'm not gonna. <laughs> <laughs> uh, read the article, uh, share your thoughts. Uh, if you want to come down, if you if you're a city planner or even an artist, like, and you want to come down here and talk about this, if like, you're a city planner, you want to come down here and do a set, we'd love to have you. Yes, yes, we would. Uh, so that's enough talk about the artistic woes. Let's talk about some uh, sunny uh, garage pop. How about that? on keeping on from a los angeles duo now a trio uh bleached off their new album welcome the worms uh that that trio is made up of sisters jennifer and jesse clavin uh now they join are joined by michaela grace on bass and uh in the studio there is uh joe uh ciccarelli who has produced people such as morrissey the strokes and elton john Mm -hmm. Uh, they have a little power behind them uh, this is uh, which, how many albums have they put out? This is their. I think this is only their second. Second, yeah. yeah I, I mean, they put album. out some singles before the last one, but this is only the second proper album. Yeah, yeah. yeah. This is um, this is an album, uh, as they said, born out of personal conflict. Which I mean, really, come on, what album isn't? <laughs> um, but uh, you know, basically, be here now. Oh, sorry. Yeah, possibly, <laughs> possibly. Uh, you know, there, this is a sort of power pop uh, band that just fucking, I, I mean, this type of stuff sounds like very modern, but at the same time is looking like way, way back uh, to, to a time that isn't, uh, that those people are now, I, I don't even think they're, they're doing like legacy tours. Like is jo- is <laughs> right. Joan Jett out on the road right. still? Well, uh, the slits are not really together. Right, right, right. right. Um, 
And it's funny because when you look at like if you get in any like etymology of of this band and look and stuff, no like previous influences. So they've they've breached this generation gap where like the fans just don't know where any of this is coming from. Uh, as you can tell from that, this is very uh, beach worthy, right? Oh yeah, it's uh, you know it's like. You're from Cal- California. Yeah, this is California. California. <laughs> this is California, like it's very fucking California. Right so it's 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 pretty good, like that. And they're mining a lot of the same territory that the uh, early Dum Dum Girls yep. albums yeah, were. Early Vivian Girls. Oh yeah, definitely. Yeah. It's it's a little bit brighter. Yeah. But without definitely without going into the full on like mm-hmm. saccharine best coast mm-hmm. BS, you know, like they've got an edge to it. <laughs> Thank you for saying that. <laughs> <laughs> Paul at chunkyglasses.com. <laughs> right. <laughs> um, I mean, uh, Eduardo, you're sitting over there like you got something to say. Like, how did that make you feel, man? Uh, yeah, this was, uh, this was, um, I was, I felt predisposed to dislike this album. And. Oh. Because yeah. of hype, uh, yeah, there was some hype. There was some just sort of a like. I'm, I'm, I'm really down on bands that to me seem to just be looking backward and don't seem to be doing something new and interesting. In case that didn't come across on the Parquet Courts, uh, has come out yet. Uh, well, well, it might, but it, it might will by out. the time this. I'm, God, yeah, <laughs> this is Man, why you forth. don't fuck with time right. travel. Yeah. We're in that scene in Interstellar right now, where yeah. everything's happening at once. Woodly, wobbly, timey wimey. Uh, <clears throat> yeah, so I was predisposed to dislike this And somewhere uh, The album is, what, 37, 38 minutes yeah. long Or something At about minute 17 I was like, fuck it, I like this <laughs> there's just, there's just, <laughs> I'm not gonna like. It takes more energy to fight it Than it does to just submit And accept yeah. that, it's, that it's really nice That it gives you those um, some of you know the feels that you get are some of the things we've talked about. There's like L7, there's early Weezer in there, mm-hmm. which would normally be a diss, but in this case is not. Um, like it evokes like early Liz Fair too, and the Bangles. Like there's just there's just a lot of really good things happening. Yeah, it's a lot of really fun stuff. Yeah, it's a really fun stuff. Were uh, Paul? Were you a fan of Joan Jet? I'm not a huge fan, but you know, Patrick, I like her. I'm a bigger fan of Joan Jett than I am of this band, but yes. Yeah, I, yeah. I believe she babysat a friend of mine. Oh, my. Because she is from around here. Yeah. So, yeah. Yeah. yeah so, okay. yeah. 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 So, so because, like, you get to a track, um, like, the Wasted on You. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Which, and, 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 you know, this album is about, uh, what did you say? It's about, uh, you know, there, there were Dr- a lot of- Drugs. Drugs. I, I wrote down weed and, weed and Whiskey. Weed and whiskey, yeah. hashtag sour diesel. Crushes, crushes. They they had making bad choices, making bad choices, and and they had a driving bad th- under the influence. Yeah, they had bad <laughs> things happen to them, and they came out and said, uh, "We don't want perfection because it's boring. You don't see the devil horns right here." <laughs> <laughs> now we don't. We want to make music that's just as real as life, and you have the mm. sad face that you don't see here because you should never say things like that. Um, <laughs> but. Uh, you know, you have a song like Wasted on You that could be like bad reputation from, uh, if you guys don't know that song, if you are a fan of Freaks and Geeks, mm-hmm. that is the theme yep, song. Yep, that's yeah. right. Um, off of that. Yeah. Uh, but more importantly, like to me, uh, there's a lot of this album because like this places me firmly in California. This places me firmly on the coast of California. And uh, one thing that I really related to growing up was Sid and Marty Croft 
uh, they had a series. They had a whole th- series of the things puppets? in the afternoons. Yeah, no, hold on. <laughs> they had a whole, whole series of things in the afternoon. They had the acid puppets, which were HR Puff and stuff, which was just complete acid. They had uh, Dino Woman and Electra Girl, mm-hmm. but they had Wonderbug, which was a Dune buggy. It was amazing, and they always had like some weird musical number, like somewhere in there. And like this is the band that we- I, I, you've neglected, Lidsville. <laughs> nice. I'm sorry, Paul. I knew, I knew, I'd find a way to piss you off. Um, you know, and, and this whole thing, it, despite the drugs, the <laughs> bad choices, and <laughs> alcohol, uh, reminds me of, of that uh, that whole scene that like those guys were trying to uh, put in front of your eyeballs. I mean, because all their stuff was subversive, subversive as fuck. Like, if you look at like HR Puff and stuff. I, I'm sorry, that's just acid. That's acid on television. You have Timmy the Talking Flute. I mean, so, did you not that see was, this, all that? this is Clearly, I was living in Brazil when all this was going <laughs> on. Because this is part of my where, where are we going with this? Counselor, I'll give you some leeway, but right, right, right. connect it up. I, I guess what I'm saying is, is that that stuff was fun, much like this stuff is fun. And it is, but it's fun in in a very escapist way that you can put it on and just like, yeah. If they had, if they had, I think on every song on this album, they managed to do some, something interesting, you know, and it's, and it's the little things that they do on each song that kind of like elevate it beyond, um, a conventional Mm. routine, um, you know, dominant indie culture type release. So like. On Keep On Keeping On, there's that, like at the end of the chorus, you get those weird big drums out of nowhere, and then the bass bass goes on that little run, it does that little scale where it goes up and back down, where it mimics the guitar line that comes in later. Which is a classic, like... Surf rock, Surf, yeah. be- beach punk move. Absolutely, and they don't, and and so the, the bass isn't doubling the guitar. They do that don't at different the, times. Woo-hoo. Yeah, it it just has so like it's not just that they that they thought oh this is a good enough song to record. It's that they then spent time figuring out how to like let's put in a couple of bells and whistles. Let's do some other things, and 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 that comes through on just about every song here. There's something unexpected, or there's something that that holds your interest, and that I think really elevates most of this. So. Yeah. Yeah, let's let's hear a track now. Uh, it's probably, I think this is probably the best track in the album, at least in my mind. Here's um, our king.
Right, so uh, I've been giving in into giving up up to nothing but trying to kill time. I mean, that come on, man. Like you, <laughs> it's tight. That that is so so tight, and it's packaged in this just perfectly like beach bingo Wonder Bugs off there somewhere. Like, in case in case you didn't know, Wonder Bug like was a normal jalopy, and then you squeak the horn and he turns into a supercar. who was sentient, so. I'm going to be doing lots of Googling when I listen yeah. back to this episode. <laughs> L- Lidsville was about hats and a talk. <laughs> you think they were thinking about any of these things when they made this album? Probably not. No, no. <laughs> they, they might have been watching them. They might have been watching them. <laughs> yeah, that 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 is uh, a nigh-perfect slice of just pop. Uh, and and honestly, to my mind, a little bit of an evolution of, you know, Weezer just put on an album, and uh, you know, I'm sorry, surprise, it's, it's, surprise, it's, it's not a new album. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> yeah, it's kind of horrible. Weezer um, keeps up their 20 year losing streak. It's <laughs> <laughs> but, <laughs> but, but you know, they certainly influence people, and. They certainly were one of the influences. They have to have been like one well, of the right? Because because they they know how to how to build a tight pop song, right? Um, it's all they know how to do now. So it's you know what they do is all candy. But we're not talking about Weezer. We're talking about these guys. Yes. So these ladies. Um, I kept thinking back to like the Beach Slang album, which I hated and which I thought was humorless and cynical and mm-hmm. awful. And to me, this album is the opposite of all of that. Like it sounds like young and riddled with mistakes and kind of dark but also like there's there's some optimism in there there's something there's like a glimmer of hope and there's it 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 doesn't sound as just joyless um yeah as that beach slang album which which was an album that told you on every track like we're young we get high we go out we stay out you know we do all we make all these mistakes like and then it's like and, wait, dude you're you're like right you're 42. also 40 shit yeah i mean <laughs> like yeah, yeah. Fuck that album, but uh, but <clears throat> but this one is actually is actually kind of a joyous, you know, like like the yeah. pop hooks work. Like the happy moments are actually happy, even when they're a little bit marred with. No, I'm get, I'm getting attitude from getting, Patrick you're here. You're getting stares from the, Patrick. Yeah, trying to stay quiet. No, no, come on, speak up. Um, I agree with some of what you're saying, and I agree that it's better than I thought it was on the first pass. 
because um, in the first pass, I was ready to rip it out of my phone and throw it down the drain. <laughs> but I, th- I think it's kind of a grower. Um, I can't like fully say that I hate it. I will say that I don't think I'm ever going to listen to more than three songs in a row on this because they're so similar. Because you don't like to be happy. I don't like to be happy. And also, like, there's, it's sort of... There's not a lot of levels here. It's pretty much just like one sure. one sure. speed, mm-hmm. and it it has to be like, and and it's a weird speed. I mean, yeah. the, the contrast between like the, what and they're gets, singing about, and then yeah. and then what the speed is. Some the, of the, the songs are too long, like, and it gets a little it gets a little lethargic at the end in a way that doesn't really work. But I I will give in to the notion that I can't fully hate on this because there were moments where I was listening to this and smiling. So I, I I'm. I'm not going to go further than that now, but I will say, like, I, I get it. I just, I don't know if I'm quite as, I, I, like, my part of my question is, like, hasn't this kind of been done, and do we really need this? But I'm kind of okay with Everything it. worthwhile's been done, and it'll uh-huh. all be done again. Now, that's really depressing. <laughs> <laughs> or a quote from Battlestar Galactica. No. <laughs> This has all happened before. <laughs> it all happen again. Yeah, I just didn't. I wasn't like blown away to the level where I would just be over the moon about it. Right. And I, I, th- it's okay. I think, I think the playing is okay. But I don't think any of these songs are that interesting. I think they could use with an editor. I think part of what they get away with, which I think you alluded to off mic, is like they have a really good producer who figured out how to bottle this up and package it in a yeah. nice way. Yeah. But I wouldn't. For sure. I mean. We covered an album last year. What was the one that Ty Siegel produced with those weird, grotesque... It was all female band, and it was like about some novel about sci-fi. Oh, I can't remember the name of it. Anyway. Huh. Uh, I'll look it up later. But, yeah. But it didn't... We'll have to dig into the yeah, it didn't. It didn't have the same kind of like Gust bite to, to it as me. I, it just didn't feel that original. I don't know. I, okay. It's okay. All right, so 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 what I'm, you, I'm mid. I'm so so mid what are you to gonna low. do with it, Patrick? I, I can't totally. Uh, I was so excited to say I'm gonna pass, but I can't really say pass. Yeah. Um, just to be the turd in the punch bowl, but I, I I would stream it. I'll probably listen to it a couple times. I honestly would say in a car on a highway in the summer, forget it. Like yeah. you're gonna stream you're this good. and you're not you're gonna good. blink. But uh, like that's about the height of it for me. I'm not gonna come back to it very much. All right, uh, Eduardo. I'm 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 very much on the line here. Um, oh. You know, Wednesday night melody, sour candy, Hollywood. We did it all wrong. I think are just all spectacular songs. Um, I'm probably I'm all I'm I'm I don't think I'm quite a buy, but I'm really damn close. So if you circle back around to me after Paul, I might be a buy. <laughs> by the, given that given how this is gone, I think he's so headed that way. Yeah. So if it's life, right now, life is I'm made a, of decisions, Eduardo. This is this is a moment, huh? Yeah. I have to pick a side. I think I'll probably, you know, what what else am I going to do with nine dollars? I'm going to buy this. All okay. right, so. all right, Paul. Oh, this is a buy for me. This album yeah. is is just a ton of fun. Uh, I'm definitely going to listen to it a lot uh, this summer and probably thereafter. Uh, you know, as I probably indicated earlier, I actually really like their last album too. Yeah, I would like to hear that because I heard it was a less polished and a little more DIY. It was it was less polished, but I think it also was um, not as advanced as yeah. this honestly okay. it was it was it was a lot simpler and i feel like this one has a much clearer uh, ethos and the production value is a lot better um i think pathos, i think though? it's good yeah yeah i i'm also going to buy it you know because you know I like i'm fun. i'm surprised yeah no no <laughs> it, it is uh you know i'm a closet like uh, matthew sweet fanatic 
and if you go back to what he was doing, like emulating this suit, not Beach Boys, but super happy, yeah, like late sixties, early seventies psychedelic like pop, that is just it's mind bending, and I think they're getting there. I think this is you know. Uh, you could turn it on and not pay attention at all. Are you all comparing this, this to mid '60s Beach Boys? I, I mean, I'm comparing it to just what so was, we're clear. What was on the what was on the radio? People trying to emulate that, yeah, okay. for sure. Because you can not pay attention to this and just be like, yeah, bopping along and stuff, and then you pay attention to it, and all of a sudden you get this like meaty, like emotional experience out of it, and that's that's yeah. what the, that's what the, I think the best uh, music, best rock and roll. Uh, in any genre, achieves. So here, here, yeah. Uh, so uh, bleached. Uh, welcome the worms. We didn't mention how they uh, got the name for that album. Um, basically, they were uh, out uh, all hepped up on goofballs. Goofballs in this case being psychedelics, and they passed a uh, sort of couple freaky looking couple at Echo Park Lake in Los Angeles, and they were peddling like pamphlets. Religious pamphlets, and one of them said, "Welcome the worms." That's fantastic. I mean, that's uh, fucking rock and roll. Yeah, yeah, that's, so, that's the way it should be. Uh, so uh, you know, don't take our word for it. Go out, check it out for yourself. Uh, it is now up. It's up on everything now, right? Yeah, it's streaming. It's it's on Spotify. It's on, it's on Spotify, Apple, Music, Apple Music, Tinder, Tinder. It is Grindr. Like Tinder, probably. <laughs> You're gonna have a weird night if you hook up with this album on Tinder. Let me just tell you. Or an amazing night. Or a great night. Yeah, yeah I was gonna say. Uh they won't call you back though. <laughs> I guarantee that. <laughs> um before we get out of here, we wanna uh, talk about a little track that we've been digging this week. This week, uh Paul, you, you picked the track, so I'll let you uh introduce this one here. Yeah, this is a track from uh Tim Hecker's newest album, Love Streams. Uh Hecker is uh He's an experimental electronic uh, musician slash composer from Canada. Um, it's been several years since he put out an album, and this one, um, he's was working through some uh, liturgical themes after, like, post-Yeezus. He works with uh, a, another composer I really like. Uh, I'm going to butcher his name, but it's uh, Johan Johansson. Um, he's put out a couple of uh, good soundtracks and albums like the last few years. Then. I feel like that was good. <laughs> I'm not great with the uh, with the accents over the O's always, but um, right. but anyway, so like you know they worked with a worked with a choir on this and some uh, some really innovative I think breakdowns of uh, both the vocal space and some of the the electronic sounds. So uh, you know, let's give it a listen. All right. This is a Castrati stack off of uh, Tim Hecker's Love Streams.
All right, so uh, Tim Hecker, uh, Castrati Stack. I think that, you know, we were having fun, and then we just mellowed out. Yeah, that, that was actually a really weird match with Bleached right there. <laughs> yeah. yeah, but it, but if you were as fucked up as, as some of the, they claim to be on some of their songs, like, like, you probably, yeah. like, got into that really well. Um, yeah. That's about our podcast for this week. Uh, you know, you should go out and watch Wonderbug. And um, and HR Puff and stuff and the lids. I you know I don't even know what the fucking lids is. I think you're making it up. You, you should look it up on YouTube. I will look or, it up. Isn't there a Seals and Croft video that is a Genesis song? Right. We're not famously? talking Seals and Croft. Oh. This is a different thing. <laughs> <laughs> Whatever they're called. The spinning Fantastic. image puppets. Sid and Marty That's, Croft. Yeah, yeah. Yes. That's a Genesis video. Did they do right? Light of Confusion? It's Light possible. of Confusion. I'm pretty sure is a whatever they're called. Sid and Marty Croft. Yeah. I'm almost positive it is. Okay. Well, we'll, we'll look it up. It's a great the, video. We'll either put that link in the show notes or put a link to Patrick. <laughs> a, a Patrick talking about yeah. Seals and Croft. Yeah. yeah. yeah, yeah. Perfect. Um, and, you know, as usual, uh, if you like this stuff, please subscribe to us on iTunes. Leave us a rating. Uh, leave us a lengthy rating and uh, maybe I'll get on the podcast. I mean, that's how this happens. Mm-hmm. Like, you can just, like, if you have a lot to say, then we're like, well, we have time to waste. Come down and talk, <laughs> talk to Mike, and you'll probably there, there's a good collection of beers around here right now, so we'll we'll feed you some beers. Uh, you know we're available on Stitcher. Uh, we Tinder. are out, out and about. Grinder, yeah, those two. Uh, we are out and about shooting shows. I'm going to be out uh, in the next month or so, shooting a lot more. I think uh, until then, Matt Condon has been holding it down and uh, doing a bang up job. With it, uh, gentlemen, thank you for coming down to the basement. Uh, we will be back in a few short days. Uh, until then, uh, be good to your ears and be better to your people. Talk to you later. Oh, <laughs> 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 <laughs>